You want some coffee? Hey, y'all want some coffee? Hey, yo, I don't got any coffee over here. Hey, it's here. Holy Week, trying to get some coffee. coffee. <laughs> you got no water for the coffee. I got water, but I ain't got no coffee. Oh, we got no coffee. Oh, I need some coffee. It's I coffee. need some water. I had too much so sugar. Oh, that was so good. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> coffee. What is up? We are here, and it is time for the podcast. Jesus is my savior, yo. Anyway, so today we are back with the Vantage Point talking about Passion Week, also known as Holy Week. And I'll be honest, there is a lot of confusion that comes when we start talking about Holy Week. Meaning, is every day significant? Way to call me out, Jake. I wasn't calling you out. out. I was not. (laughs) You're totally calling me out. information I'm not aware of. I did not. Okay, I was confused and I thought it was just... Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Resurrection Sunday. I didn't realize Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday were a thing. I, didn't I knew know that about things Monday happened. I don't think you guys are in the. I think you guys are the want... the rule, not the exception. I wasn't yes. calling either one of you out. Well, I feel called out. I but really. Good. Call that's a, that's your own. That's your own <laughs> doing, though. That was not a a Jake thing. I, know, I didn't really know all the other days until my New Testament one class. I feel like that's when I had heard. Of like Spy Wednesday and stuff, but it wasn't until I had to like read a book about it and study it in depthly. Also known as Silent Wednesday. Oh. Oh, I've never heard it as Silent Wednesday. It was in the book that we read. Oh, well, yeah. it shows how well I read. No. <laughs> so the whole point of this is not to call anyone out, but it is to just very quickly, because we, we, we want to make this pretty digestible, walk through the days and kind of point out the significance of each day. I don't want this to be too in-depth because we don't have time for it to be in-depth, but this is a significant week. This is a time where we set aside and we focus specifically on what Christ went through that final week, where it culminated at the death, and how it was displayed the power of God to secure salvation through the resurrection. So that's a huge deal. That's what we celebrate Easter Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it, but Passion Week leading up to it is significant, and we start with Palm Sunday, which most people know what Palm Sunday is about. Somebody give me a a rundown. What is Palm Sunday? The triumphal entry is Jesus triumphantly entering into the city of Jerusalem, where people are worshiping, laying palms in front of the donkey he is riding. I believe this was prophesied about in Isaiah. I don't know what chapter, but this is important for Jesus because he is the Messiah and he, this is part of the resurrection week. The, the whole reason like he's coming in, he's like fulfilling a prophecy as he's doing this. So it's a really big deal. I call it Palm Sunday. but Yeah, so essentially, yes, he is fulfilling prophecy that the king would ride in an unridden colt. So you've got Jesus riding on, on a colt, which is a donkey. It's actually like a, a younger donkey. And they brought the mom donkey as well so that the Holt wouldn't be freaked out. And you've got, as he enters the city, they are laying down palm branches, which is pretty customary to celebrate a grand arrival. And they're actually singing Hosanna or screaming Hosanna in the highest. So you've got the entry of a king, which is pretty amazing when you think how this week is going to end. So he enters Jerusalem through praise. And how does he exit to Golgotha? By carrying his own cross. What a contrast of, of a week. Yeah. Which, you know, is, is just a, a thing that is true of us in life. A week's a long time and a lot can change. 
So, and we do see several prophecies fulfilled. Zechariah nine is fulfilled here. That's Isaiah sixty two. You were right on that. So then we then we move forward, okay, and we go to the next day of Holy Week, which Holy Monday. Not a very creative name. <laughs> I thought it'd be something totally different. I was about no. to say I don't know what the word is that goes. It's, with it's meaningful it's Monday. Meaningful, meaningful Monday. Monday. So Holy Monday, and I literally just read a book about this. And, and Allison has read this book, but I'm going through it now. What is significant about Holy Monday is this is going to be Jesus engaging with religious leaders. So it starts out with Jesus cursing a fig tree, and the disciples, when they see this happen, are completely confused. Because why would you curse a fig tree? Because it didn't have any figs. That's why he cursed it. But when you understand, like, it wasn't the season for figs, so there would be no fruit. Um, when we read in the Bible that Israel is the, the land that is flowing with milk and honey, it's actually referring to fig honey, more so than like bee honey. So they would eat figs. That was a big, and still is to this day, a central part of their diet. But Jesus would have known that it wasn't the season for the fig to produce fruit. And so he curses it, and the disciples are just confounded. Well, there's a purpose in all that. It then leads into him going into the temple. And we read this at the beginning of John. John is actually the only gospel that has him going into the temple twice to flip tables or to, to cast people out, the money changers and whatnot. And so that's what he does here. He casts the money changers out. Basically, what they're doing is they're turning the temple where God dwelt as a place and a means to make money. And that is absolutely not what you're meant to do. And Jesus is calling them out on it. And then he leaves the temple. And what we see on early Tuesday is him explaining what happened with the fig tree. So that's kind of Holy Monday. Any thoughts there from you all make sense? Did I walk through it too quickly? Yeah, no, I think you explained it well. I think another thing to understand about really Monday and Tuesday is after Jesus had entered on Sunday, then we start to see these tensions really rise between Jesus and his disciples and the Israelite leaders. And so that will play a big part later on in the week, obviously. And so I think that's, um, and even what he's doing here on Monday when he's going in the temple and all of these things, like that is adding to this tension that we're then going to see play out later on in the week. Absolutely. So then we move on to Holy Tuesday. So what events happened on this Tuesday. And what makes this Tuesday significant? Well, if you are following along in scripture, you've got Matthew chapter 21, Mark 11, Luke 20. These are going to be the the portions of scripture that show us what's going on Tuesday. So specifically for Matthew 21, it's verses 23 through 39. Mark 11, it's it's verse 27 through chapter 12 verse 44 and then Luke chapter 20 verses 1 through 21 verse 4. And so you're going to see a ton of stuff going on, but mainly you see these interactions with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, much about Mm. what Allison just mentioned. And they're going to try to challenge Jesus in multiple ways, including marriage in heaven. So, So they talk about how if a man remarries because his brother passed away and he remarries his wife, which was a a law according to Jewish law and had children with her, who would he then be wife to when he got to heaven? So they're going to be like, hey, they're going to try to catch Jesus in that. They're going to challenge his authority. They're going to challenge who who they should pay taxes to. Basically, 
they are in public trying to catch Jesus so that the crowd would turn on him. Mm-hmm. And this again shows you he was worshipped as he came into the city by this crowd, and the leaders could not touch him. And so because they couldn't touch him, they had to get something that would go against him. It like marks on his name. They had to hurt his reputation. And Jesus just 100%, I would call this a holy slaps all of them in the face with truth. Because he's the one that wrote these laws. He is God, by the way. He knows all of these things. He knows how to answer these. And he literally does everything right in his answers to show that these Pharisees and Sadducees are absolutely in the different ballpark than Jesus. Mic drop moment. It is kind of, it totally is kind of a mic drop moment. And I believe this day ends with them asking what the greatest commandment is. And what does Jesus say? Well, one, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with your soul. And the second is like that, to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, What these Pharisees and Sadducees were doing is they were trying to elevate themselves above everyone else. They, honestly, they wanted to be worshipped. And that that totally, that plays to our sinful nature, doesn't it? Like, we want the best for us. We want what is going to feed us. We want what's going to elevate us. And Jesus says, if you truly love God, then your love for God is going to show, it's going to work out in how you treat and interact with other people, which these Pharisees would not have wanted to hear. Anything else you all would add to that? No, I think it's it's really cool to see Jesus. It's just funny because he's like, the Pharisees are challenging him because they're obviously blind to who he is. 100%. But like, that's not going to be a challenge for Jesus, who is God and literally experiences things that we don't experience and knows things we don't know. So it is kind of futile when you see it all, but it just shows you how blind we can be and how much we can even be like the Pharisees. Oh, yeah. These are the religious people. Yeah. They thought they were right. I mean, they yeah, they are who we would be. Yeah, that's convicting. Apart from Christ. Obviously, in Christ, we should not be that way, but... I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> but like when, you, not. like when you see these banters between people who are just so blinded by having to be right that they forget how to love people and they forget how to show people grace, this is where you get. This is where that path leads you. And Jesus is saying, hey, more than any of that, you need to love the Lord and you need to love people. And that's, that's going to be what marks my kingdom here on this earth, which is as the church now, that is what marks his kingdom on this earth. Yep. So, all right, well, let's transition quickly. We get to Wednesday, which is known as Spy Wednesday, also Silent Wednesday by some. And Allison, I'll let you kind of detail what's going on on this Wednesday. Why do we call it Spy Wednesday? Why does that matter? Yeah, Wednesday, that is when Judas betrays Jesus. That's also when the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Israelite leaders decided like, hey, we're going to make this plot to kill Jesus. And then Judas comes in there and he plays a big role in that, if you know the rest of the story. Another cool thing about this day is when Jesus is anointed at the house of Simon the leper. So I think that's a really cool story in the Holy Week narrative. Yeah. So you've got, if you're following along in your Bibles, this is Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. And then you can kind of see the betrayal, the conspiring to betray Mm -hmm. Jesus with local authorities and Judas. Judas, That's going to be in Matthew 26, 14 through 13. 16. And so you've got a, a lot 
going on here, including what you were talking about with Simon the leper being him being anointed in, in his house. This is also where you've got the woman displaying her faith in yeah. Jesus, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I believe this is where we see the alabaster flask. She pours out all of her perfume, which would have been yeah. a year's wages yeah. on Jesus's feet and on his hair, which... By the way, it was customary that they would always anoint your head with oil, mm-hmm. but not your feet. Yeah. And not only that, she then dries, washes his feet and dries it with her hair. Like this is a total humbling moment here. And yeah. none of none of the disciples got it. In fact, this is what led Judas. This incident is what mm-hmm. led Judas to go. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back for Judas to then go and conspire to betray. Jesus. Yeah. And I think it's even cool if you're looking in Matthew 26, that's just the gospel I have up right now. But you see first the plot killed Jesus and then you see that anointing at Bethany. That's that story that Jake was just explaining. And then you see the immediate betrayal of Ju- like of Jesus. That mm-hmm. Jesus. So yeah. For a meager 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, wild. That's, that's, that's what he traded. But that's what we do, man. Yeah. yeah. Like we compromise for what we think is sufficient, and it's totally insufficient. Anytime that we are lured into temptation, it's always that instant gratification, and it's ultimately not a reward that is long-lasting. It's it's short. It's not significant. So there are there are tons of truths, and we won't spend too much time on it, but there's tons of truths that we can pull out of this. So as we go on, we go from Spy Wednesday or Silent Wednesday to what is referred to as Monday Thursday, also known as Holy Thursday. Lots of holies if you want to go that <laughs> They're way. All holy. Yes, absolutely. The whole week is holy. And so what holy this week. it is a holy week. What this day is known for is the Last Supper, which we are all pretty familiar with the Last Supper, but I'll let somebody else explain what's going on. If you're following along with your Bibles, this Last Supper is shown in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20. Also, John chapter 3, or sorry, John chapter 13, excuse me, verses 3 through 17. And this is where you're going to get the foot washing, the Last Supper. I will let somebody else, though, take it away from that point. What's going on at the Last Supper? Why does it matter? Maundy Thursday is reflecting on the Last Supper, and so this is where Jesus comes in with the disciples and they break bread together. And this is where we start to see a lot of the different things that we do for communion start here. They break bread and he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So we recite this all the time when we take communion as a body of believers. And this is what's happening here at the Last Supper. And he goes on to wash their feet and just show... uh, his love for the disciples there. And so that's what we're talking about there on Maundy Thursday. The only thing that I would add there as far as Maundy Thursday, again, I think it's neat. The disciples are are dumb. You know what I mean? Like they, they are have no so idea. dumb. So right after, right after he washes their feet, the king of the universe washes their feet, almighty God, a dispute also arose among them, verse, verse 24 of Luke chapter 22, and they said, who would be regarded as the greatest? The greatest of all time, the goat, has just washed your nasty feet, and your instant response is, 
hey, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? Among us, who's better? Like, we really need to appreciate you. I'm pretty sure it's me, Peter. But, who's, and, and so that, again, man, it just is so ridiculous who, how we view ourselves and, and how, how caught up in our own narratives we get that we miss the bigger picture of what's going on here. And the disciples, I'm not picking on them. I'm saying they are exactly who we are. Yeah. We are so tempted to be like that. And we, we miss and, and miss exactly what God is doing right in front of us. And so that's, that's what we see here. And obviously this, this day ends with him foretelling what's, what's going to happen, mm-hmm. what's coming, what's going. And then that leads us into Good Friday. And if, if you're not familiar with Good Friday, that is a day that we will have a special service for. That is a day that we are going to spend a lot of time on because that is the day where Christ was ultimately crucified. That's the culmination of what happens on Good Friday. Allison, walk us through what Good Friday is, why that matters. I mean, obviously, I've just said a lot, but... I think you gave us the lowdown of it, but essentially that's when they're in the garden. Judas has betrayed Jesus. So the officials come and they arrest Jesus. We also see Peter that tried to fight back. He chopped off an ear. Jesus heals. Always Peter with that knife. Man, he crazy, bro. (laughs) Peter, why you do that? So yeah, we see all of that happen and we see Jesus get taken away and then ultimately crucified. Well, and and ultimately what we need to point out too is, so Peter, and and I'm just mentioning this because you mentioned Peter. Yeah. He's the one, he's the one that wants to cut off an ear, but he's the one that also Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. I love you so much, Lord. I'm going to cut off old boy's ear. False. Yeah. Three times we see Peter deny Jesus. And you see at the end when the rooster crows, which again, Jesus said it would happen. Mm -hmm. He is broken and he realizes I have just done exactly what I said I would not do. Yep. Like Jesus knew. And so then Jesus, obviously he goes before the council, he goes before Caiaphas and delivered to Pilate. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say the crazy part about, and I've actually, I remember the first time I read this differently after I heard Judah Smith do a little, he liked a little sermon jam on the Barabbas part. Oh, uh-huh. y'all should go listen to it's it. Phenomenal. It's incredible. But the fact that Barabbas, a notorious murderer who had committed crimes and was infamous, was chosen to be freed over Jesus who had done nothing yeah, is significant because we are Barabbas. Yeah. Like we are the murderer. We are the one who is notorious for sin. Like we are literally children of wrath born into this world in darkness. But Jesus is the light. He is taking our place on Barabbas's cross. That was Barabbas's cross. When it was re- the religious people. Yeah. Again, really important to make the difference. Pilate was like, Jesus is innocent. We need to let him go. Yeah. And he gave it. He gave the choice to the Jewish people, the religious people, and they're the ones that chose the murderer. Yeah, and then he washed his hands and said, "This is blood on your on, on your you. hands. It's on you." Yeah. yeah. Even I, Wild. even I can see, but you can't. And again, that just tells you the spiritual blindness, but also that God had to go to the cross. Yeah. He had to. He had to take Barabbas's place. He had to take our place. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. When we talk about the crucifixion of Christ, he took the wrath not just for the sins of those who would believe, but he took the wrath of God for all sin. Yeah. I mean, that breaks you. Yeah. People can 
oftentimes make light of what Christ went through because we think, oh yeah, he died on a cross. You can't just think Jesus died on a cross. He did so much more than die. He took our place. He took our punishment. That punishment, by the way, is eternal separation from God. He had all the wrath poured out. Just even like the weight and the heaviness of it. Absolutely. Well, I don't think we'll ever be able to comprehend that. Yeah. I don't think so either. Not on, not on this side of eternity. Yeah, at not least. here. This is a slight side tangent when it comes to Good Friday, but I think a lot of times when we talk about Holy Week, we don't think about the fact that all of this happened in one day because I feel like we focus so much on these events that happen on Good Friday, mm-hmm. but everything from like him being arrested to the crucifixion happened in this one day. We don't even have time in, in this short podcast to, to dive deep into the details of each day. Like We're just giving overviews, but... Yeah. I, I would encourage you all, there is a book, there's several books, but mm-hmm. Jesus's Final Week by William Cook is a great book that details all of this. And I mean, it's phenomenal how he walks you through. So if you are curious about Holy Week, I would recommend you pick up a copy of that because it's going to walk you through in-depth detail of all this. So then we'll end on a much happier <laughs> note. Ultimately, we know what happens. Jesus goes to the cross. He says that it is finished. He takes the wrath of God. He fulfills several prophecies that are recorded in the Old Testament on that cross. In fact, him being on a tree is one of them. And they put him into a tomb, a borrowed tomb at that, Joseph Arimathea's tomb that he had secured. And does he stay in that tomb? Absolutely not. Nope. On the third day, he arose. The Father rose him. And that's where we put our confidence in. The death is significant and that the wrath was placed on Jesus that we earned. But the power is demonstrated through the resurrection that he didn't stay dead, but he demonstrated his power over sin, Satan, and death through the resurrection. Our victory is won in the resurrection. Our salvation is secured in the resurrection. Everything is built upon the resurrection. The crucifixion is important, significant. But without the resurrection, the crucifixion doesn't matter. The resurrection is where God shows up and he shows himself to be fully God through the person of Jesus. I mean, without the resurrection, like we as Christians would be fools. 100%. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And even talk about what Jesus tells the disciples before he ascends is go to all the nations and preach the gospel, teaching them my ways. Like that, and oh, baptizing them, they had polished them. You know, you read the whole thing, or the Great Commission. That doesn't matter if there's no resurrection, too. Yeah. Like, what's the gospel if nothing matters if there's exactly. no resurrection? Exactly. Yeah. What's What's that verse in one of the epistles that's like, if the the resurrection or like, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Then like, we're the biggest fools of all or something. So. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that he that the dead are not raised. If for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That's powerful, dude. That's yeah. just the reality. Yeah. Everything is built on the resurrection. Our faith hinges on the, re- the resurrection. So we hope that this has been 
kind of informative podcast. I know it was super quick, but it does give you a snapshot of what's going on in Holy Week. Guys, we are excited for Easter. It is coming up this Sunday. We're going to celebrate it. We will have this podcast is going to go live on Monday, Thursday. So tomorrow, if you listen to it, I'll go ahead and plug it. We have a good Friday service at noon if you can make it. And then we have got a ton of Easter services. We've got one on Saturday. And we've got three on Sunday. Saturday, 5 p.m., Sunday, 8, 9, 30, 30. Excited to be able to celebrate the resurrection with you all. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen.